Greetings and welcome to Nodcast with Nod founding members Paddy Shine and Chris Haslam. Nod bless. Will. Why? Hello, Will. How are you, mate? I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, it's been a while. Welcome to the Nodcast, Will. It's great to be here, dude. Nice, nice headset you've got on there, mate. Uh, cheers, <laughs> man. I'm uh, I'm studying. I'm studying for. Uh, yeah. You know, there had them problems with the air traffic control system the other week. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm fucking. I'm in there, man. I'm in there. I've <laughs> <laughs> seen an opportunity. I'm fucking. I'm getting in. <laughs> <laughs> so, Will, um, you've do you have you do you know the format of the Nodcast? You know how we roll. You, you you talk to each other and you got questions. I've got, I, I might have answers. I might have more questions than answers, to be honest. But yeah, go for it, man. Well, <laughs> well first, first, first of all, give uh, give us uh, an introduction for anybody that might know, might not know. Who so you are might not know. Just um, anyone that's listening, I would suppose. Um, so, so yeah, I I played with you, dudes. From the start of Nod, from before Nod, we were, yeah, um, I played keys and trumpets and whistles and fucking anything that made a noise, pretty much, um, until such sort of time as a family interrupted the flow, and uh, and that was me. <laughs> there you go. That's six years in a nutshell, mate. That's, um, but you've been doing music since then, haven't you? Of course I have. Of course I have. Course I have. Yeah, yeah, of course I have. Um, yeah, it was so I guess going right back, I first met you, Paddy, in about two thousand, two thousand and one or something, doing that open mic at Trough. Um and you lot were working for Joel making that's right, yeah, that's right. Toss, tossing out paninis to students. You... <laughs> <laughs> go on, you're breaking up there, mate. Paddy, you So um yeah, you were saying you met Paddy in two thousand and one. About that, yeah, and we were making, yeah, we were we were doing an open mic, and we got variously involved, and uh, it was good. It was a good bit of madness. It needed to be done. Um, there was a lot of putting people in the place who, who had come for a drink and a sandwich who needed to know what it was about. Really, um, that's how I met Paddy. I would I would say that pretty much says enough about how we met. Um, and after that, uh, yeah, Merlin was down. Uh, and Merlin obviously was Paddy's mate from college. He was a great producer who had a studio space, and they were already putting a band together, and they were already making a sound. And uh, Merlin kind of forewarned me a few months before and said, look, there's going to be space for everything and anything, but you've got to give these guys a few months to uh, to, to, to find their find their space. And, uh, and they did, and it was space. It was fucking space rock it was doom it was all sorts um what, what music what were you that into was, at that time that what was, was sundowner, into? Wasn't it? that was sundowner yeah i was into jazz i was playing jazz i was singing jazz uh i was listening to lots of breaks and a lot of english hip-hop uh jungle i'd spent the previous however many six seven years going raving and going to jungle nights and 
acid techno and just anything but i was playing and singing jazz i know it's a bit of a contrast we played with there were, there were a lot of jungle djs in manchester in the 90s and i found that yeah. I, could get, yeah. I, I could get into clubs if i took my trumpet with me so i i bought a, a cheap akg clip on and would rock up at places like the roadhouse and uh uh, where else? Berlin's, I don't know, places around town with a trumpet and just go, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm playing with a DJ and the bounce would always let me in. <laughs> so, uh, and then all I had to do was get my trumpet out, put the mic on, walk up to the booth and go, look, man, look, 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 look. And the DJ would be sweet. Go on. Yeah. Give us a minute. Let me plug you in. Um, and that's how I got playing in Manchester. Full wow. stop. Um, and it was after trying to kind of calm down a bit, I met Paddy. So I was singing Latin jazz tunes at that point. <laughs> singing, <laughs> yeah. singing. Uh, I was going to say Gilberto and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say when I first when I first met you, you were singing and your mate was playing a beautiful sort of um, guitar, and you That's were right. doing yeah, like bossa nova. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was. It was. There was that year was. Um, the brazil world cup or something so um oh there was no there was a game on i remember we played one night and it was a brazil game uh it was a world cup game and the place was empty so we did a, a purely brazilian set just to fucking give a little nod to the to the brazilians um fuck knows there weren't many people in there but yeah it was generally a good vibe in there. It was decent. And we met a lot of heads. If you remember, there was a lot, a ton of people used to come down there. Yeah, um, yeah. People uh, would come and play, come and play really, records. And... Yeah. It, it was a freaky open mic night, that, wasn't it? It wasn't like your average open mic night. Although some nights it could be. But there was a lot of weirdos down there. A lot of, like, when people like uh, yourself... And Owen O'Connor and John, oh, yeah. fucking John Calvert, yeah. to rock up. In the in the early days, we were in the early days we were just putting everybody through a fucking really crappy old DJ mixer, and just like kind of hoping for the best. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. It was good. But it was just a really. Good, it was good. It was a good way to get free drinks for us. We were like finished work after packing a load of paninis, and sit down and fucking yeah. And we met met so many people like yourself and fucking hell, yeah. There were tons. There yeah, were tons. it was a nice. Yeah. Good poets yeah. as well. So if you remember the likes of um, Matt, Thick Richard, and those guys were down oh, there. Ah, Thick Richard, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, who, oh, I remember. See, there were quite a few people came down and like mates that would come down and play records. And there was a really, it was a great way for me to pick up on all kind of mad, mad vinyl I'd never heard before. Um, I remember John, John giving me a big introduction into Beefheart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good. But yeah, but that was the start of, that's how I met you guys. That's how we got into the studio with Merlin. Um, yeah. I, and I got involved with the space. Um, and we, yes, Sundown I got going. And then, it was only a couple of years later. Uh, we'd done some stuff. Sony M were playing out and we met Chris. Well, you met Chris. And I think, I can't remember if you'd come down to the space before or not, but ultimately, wasn't it? Gaz started Stranger well, we, Sons. Yeah. So, and yeah, when we started Stranger Sun, um, I think the first recording we did, which I think was that 
like first recording in the studio, uh, was the Snakes single, and that was done in that no, studio. That... Yeah. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. What? Snakes was done in drop. Snakes was done in Dropout Studio in London, and the the first EP we did with uh, Stranger Son of WB was like uh, Hyde Kinger on the telephone and all that oh, stuff. That yeah, was fuck. that was yeah. that. That Jeez. was at Maryland Studio. Sorry, just to correct, just to correct. No, no. There's very, bo- <laughs> very boring information for uh, <laughs> for people. No, but, um, no. Yeah. So but, I mean, it was, that was Dosser and all that stuff, wasn't it? Dosser yeah, was on yeah. there. Yeah. So that was the first time you were down at the old room in uh, in in wherever it was. Where was it again? Somewhere North Manchester, off in a, off. Uh, like oh, uh, off, off Oldham off, Road, Rocks, wasn't it? Oldham Road, yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah, by yeah. the old Sharp Factory, like yeah. Miles Platin area, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was an old brewery, wasn't it? Wilson's it was a great estate. little room, that yeah. wasn't it? it was... Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. A big, uh, great, great big, space. That big skylighted space. It was good in summer. Remember? Yeah. So then, uh, and yeah. it was it was only a matter of probably another year or something before. Uh, Various things happened between the band and uh, and the Nod Sound stuff. I remember, <laughs> I remember coming in one day, and it was summer. It was fucking hot, right? I think it was probably two thousand six, and uh, you'd bought Paddy. You'd bought a, a big Marshall quad stack, and uh, I don't remember what the amp was, but you had the fucking the big speaker out, and you're in the middle of the room. Everything else was cleared away, and you got a fucking an electric from somewhere. And you've been playing drums and singing up till then. And uh, I don't know whose guitar it was. You're fucking, you had some sort of distortion pedal and some load of effects. And it was just like, fucking like Sunno, big fuck off loud chords. And I was like, what's this? And he's like, oh, I'm working on, I've got something coming. There's something brewing, <laughs> something fucking brewing. And uh, and it was, that must have been within months that uh, we, we recorded. And I've still got it. And I've got it on a CD. <laughs> a fucking old CD Rob was a, a track you called yeah. Stink. It was Sleeve, if you remember. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> sleeve, yeah. But it was a, there was a really right. good <laughs> and it's fucking heavy track, right? It was really good. Um, and I think that was when it was not long after that that Nod started coming together as a bit of an experimental, and then there was a, a naming session with a whiteboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't remember what else was said, so, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So was right. the original was the was the original name of Nod Sleeve? It was, wasn't it? <laughs> well, I think and I, and it I don't was, wanna, wasn't it? It was, it was. But I, I'm trying to think yeah. what it was in response to. I'm I'm sure there was something well, it, was, I, it was a piss take out or something. I thought I was and, being I no, I thought I was being <laughs> clever because the Irish the Irish name for a mountain is Schlieve, ah. I think. I'm pretty sure it's either hill, hill or mountain, or um, I think it's mountain. You call it call it Schlieve. Right. So I think I was being, I think I was being clever by yeah. So it was something to, but it was spelled the English way, which is silly as Schlieve. hell. But yeah, interesting. <laughs> You've got such a good memory, Will. I totally forgot that, man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, totally I, I really that. buzzed off it, man. The thing is, we'd done. If you remember, and I think it was probably the same summer, uh, you were in uh, what's the what's the place in Hume you were living uh, in the flats? Yeah, in the yellow yeah. bricks. 
Yeah, and um, and I've been round with you've done loads of four track recording for a while. You've been just getting anything you could on a four track you had, like a Fostex yeah. or something. Um, and there was a couple of tracks off that that were already getting to that really long form repetitive droned out and we, and even in sundown we'd been playing with drones but it wasn't it wasn't quite the same just super long well just, what about the like, drone try what about like, the drone triumphant well well yeah but it ended up being really yeah uh, ended up really uh what's the word contrived because we tried to remember we tried to put it down so there were some early recordings when we were jamming it that were fucking phenomenal. yeah um, yeah, where are they? Who's got those recordings? I I probably have copies. I have got hours and hours and hours of that stuff. Like literally, interesting. Hours. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And I know, I know Matt that. Matty has as well, Matty Morris. So I've um, I'm meeting up with him. We're going to see um, oh, I can't remember the name of the band now. We're going to see some band of the wall in about a month. Um, so I'll still hook up with him occasionally. We get to go and see stuff live. Um, cool, but. He archived everything off the drives from that room, from that studio. Um, so okay. I'm pretty sure he he will still have it. All. Anyway, yeah. So there's um, there were some very good recordings of that stuff, but I think there was a certain simplicity to stripping it all back and getting as much out of as little as possible, if that makes sense. So it was total sense. And it uh, and that I think to me in my mind when I think back it doesn't matter who it was it was that approach that made the sound that came out um, and I guess after that it was just like a fucking magnet and just kind of attracting people where where it was where the sound demanded it I guess that's what it felt like for years it really did um, and I felt I felt properly swept swept along at times um, I, I remember <laughs> playing it. Well, oh, it's fucking closed now. There's a pub in Bolton we did. Um, Dog and Partridge? Oh, uh, something that like it? that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, something like and it that. Was, and it was, I fucking got the best memories of that place because we went in to set up and it was one of them old school <laughs> pubs where you walk in the front doors and in front of you, you've got a bar that goes around both sides into two separate rooms. Like they used to have a smoking room back in Victorian times. Yeah. So it was one of them U-shaped bars and there's this old Doris working the bar, right? And we look to the left and it's full of old men sat smoking and drinking, like pints of bitter, proper old pint glasses. And then we, we go into the right side where the gig is and there's like a couple of metal dudes sort of waiting around, waiting for us. And we set up and everything's cramped in the corner. I'm with John at the back and we've all got our fucking back line, like literally fucking squashed in next to each other. Like, it's going to be really loud, do you know what I mean? And, and I don't remember anything then until the gig and we're playing and I couldn't hear a note I was playing. It was like the whole thing was just being carried by itself. I remember looking up part where the, the whole spell was broken by this old Doris in like a cardigan looking over at me and nodding and smiling part way through the set. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got a room, room full of metalers and goths and, uh, and there's us like fucking with this wall of noise and she's just merrily pulling pints. All right, boys. I was, like, you know. <laughs> well, was that a sundowner? No, that was Nod. No, that was, that was Nod. Yeah, that yeah, you would have been there, man. You would have been there. I'm sure you would. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember yeah, yeah. that. It wasn't an early, early one because that that was that was the the lineup that we would have taken to drop out for sure. Right. Okay. Because yeah. it was around that yeah. time we'd we'd already moved rooms. We're in the green rooms at the time. God, I can't remember that at all. 
<laughs> yeah. I don't think it's there anymore, though. I think the pub's gone. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was a funny show because I remember the support band who were playing before us were these teenage kids, right? These, like, yeah. very young teenage boys. <laughs> And they were doing this tune, and I was like, "Fucking hell, these guys are fucking brilliant." <laughs> I was like, "What?" They were like tw- twelve, and I was like, "Fucking hell, man, these guys have written an amazing couple of tunes." So after they finished sound checking or after their gig or whatever, I said, "Fucking hell, lads!" Like, you know, that was amazing. And what was that tune? And they were like, "Oh, that there were some Green Day tunes." <laughs> and I was like, "Ah, oh, right." <laughs> <laughs> ah shit <laughs> but uh, they were just so young and playing them so well and obviously I didn't know the Green Day tunes but I was blown away by these kids I was like fucking hell these guys are amazing but it was one, <laughs> of, you... one of those kind of one of those places one at Bolton where you're kind of playing with the local covers band really mm. it, was, it was cool so those days you... were good crack can you remember the first rehearsals Will? First nod rehearsals. Yeah. It depends. It depends what you call the first rehearsals because we had, like I say, that slave we, set up when we were sharing uh, with John Rob in G two. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, up there. You yeah, remember? yeah, it was smoky. <laughs> Fucking that room was too small, man. Um, yeah, Rob. Oh man, their room was just absolutely rammed. They were. Um, it wasn't just Goldblade either. It was um, Jay's band as well, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Was it? Yeah. This blues band. He's going to kill me for not remembering this. Oh, shit. Yeah, I can't <laughs> oh, remember. Oh, no, he's going to kill me. Hang on. I'm going to have to... Uh, yeah. <laughs> but they, they had the same room, so we were all sharing this, the one room. There's three bands worth of gear in there. Yeah. Um, they were all sound, though. They were all like, fire ahead, use whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. It's like fucking sound. Yeah. Totally sound. Yeah. Let's have a look. I mean, I can't even, I don't remember the rehearsals in that room. I, I, I very vaguely. Not a lot. I, yeah, I start, not a lot. I start to remember that things really started to come together when we were in the, the downstairs, the, the, the ground floor space in, in, in that building, in that yeah. mill. The damp That's room. where stuff, yeah, it was really damp. <laughs> but it was good. It, it was good. Yeah. It was, it was a nice big room though. And, um, I mean, we really started to get our shit together there as far as, like, jamming and writing. But before, yeah, we did this, so jamming. before we did that first gig at the Royal Oak, we were in that upstairs G2 room. That's where we did all the rehearsals before that gig. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I... I... I don't... Like, Paddy, I don't have a lot of memories of it other than going up and down in that lift. Um, <laughs> the, the, the mad industrial lift. <laughs> But yeah, um, I remember seeing the downstairs room was when, because you had your Zoom, Chris, that, that recorder, and you started recording loads of rehearsals and all the gigs, and there's a ton of material. And again, I've probably got some of that, you know, yeah. from rehearsal times. And whether it's in the downstairs or the upstairs room, because we had to move, didn't we? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, it was upstairs first, I remember. I ate a lot of chocolate and drank a lot of, sugary drinks in those days i seem to recall <laughs> those rehearsals i know it's a funny thing to say i used to drive past the garage on the way to the rehearsal room and I, they always had offers on cadbury's chocolate before cadbury's was different and uh yeah i had a bad habit 
that's one of them. I know it's weird, isn't it? I think I might have I might have smoked a lot of the time as well. That's probably a contributing factor. But um, yeah, we were yeah. All, we were all smoking a lot. No, in those days, man. Yeah, living living yeah. living on weed, cheap booze, and Cadbury's chocolate—all of yeah. those, I reckon. <laughs> Do you think that contributes to the sound? Do you think there's a certain maturity that comes away from that in the? Uh, there's a less chaotic uh, ebb that's occurred since. You know, you know what? <laughs> you fucking could be onto something there, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, do you remember like the first gig at the Royal Oak? Oh man, I, I really do. Yeah, and we you had Neil Sundowner as well, weren't you? At that gig? That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, that's, <laughs> that's when someone had lent me a jalaba, a Moroccan jalaba. Was it yours? It was, wasn't it? Was it? Mine, yeah. Was it? it? Yeah, mine. yeah. It yeah, yeah, the brown one. Yeah, I remember. I said to you, like, right, you're gonna have to be the uh, cosmic druid. It's like, all right, yeah. go, on, go, go on then. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, man. There was a write-up about it. I remember there was a write-up. Someone did a write-up, like Evening News or something, or one of the magazines, and it was uh, uh, Monks, Trumpets, and Space Rock or something like that. So it went down well. I was like, yeah, sweet. I'll keep wearing that. And uh, I think we had – it wasn't long after that. We did the basement. So there was the, there was the, the Royal Oak, and then we played – because we were doing attentional shipping – yeah, uh, and then it was the Irish club when Neil first played with us, and he brought his decks and was just adding, adding sound effects and bits. Um, yeah, and it was after that, that that we had a big change up of personnel. Like the lineup really changed. Some mm. things happened after that. After we decamped from that gig, um, I remember going back and yeah, things things changed. I'm trying to think who came on. So was that before or after we'd recorded in so- in Camberwell? That was before. Oh, that was well before. That yeah. Well before, well before yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was Neil starting on with us. So I don't remember, my, my memory's really hazy. I don't remember how close together those two were, the Royal Oak and the uh, Irish Club. So the, the Royal um, Oak was early 2007. So it was like March 2007. And then we did a few more gigs. We played some gigs with Jim Fear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. We played one in the old Phoenix Club. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we did one at the Garter, where that's... I think that was that was that was the breaking point for G. I think that gig because <laughs> yeah. it was about fucking eight djembe drummers on the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Came yeah. off like I'm fucking deaf. I can't hear anything now. You fucking ruined my hearing. That was ridiculous. I I remember that. That was uh that was when things were. It was Paddy used to bring used to bring a big box of percussion down and just start handing it out. And yeah. uh, and Owen was fucking. Do you remember he had a he had like a witch's mask or some and crazy old lady head and his oh fucking, yeah and his Celtic top and his fucking yeah. and he and he would and he was out like he was having his own like fucking reckoning on stage. Um, and, it, and I, I that was fucking amazing. I'm laughing at the Star and Garter one because it was raw. It was absolutely raw. Uh, and there were there were about 15 people and it was absolutely nuts. Um, and we did we did a little tour not long after and took as many people as wanted to be there. Um, and it was like Manchester, London. We did six million postcards in Bournemouth. Yeah. Um, I don't oh remember. Oh, my God. With Arthur Sheedon and Hot That's Bomb it. on it. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, some of those gigs. The Campbell, uh, the, the um, no, what was it in London? What's, what's, the, what's the venue in the centre of London we did? 
Um, no, we did. Pub. We played. We played somewhere called South. Yeah, what was Dirty the South. South? Dirty South. Dirty South. Dirty was South. That, was that the, the London one? Was that yeah. the one with the, the dudes in winkle pickers and fucking drainpipes yeah. that almost and the pr- started the promo- us? <laughs> the pr- and the, but the promoter left, didn't he? The promoter did a runner halfway through the gig. <laughs> and they were projecting oh. a holy mountain, Jodorowsky, behind us. And the guy who kept going to us before the gig, he was like, I'm going to project holy mountain. Onto you. That was in Bournemouth, Chris. Oh, that was Bournemouth. That, that was, was that Bournemouth. Was Bournemouth. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Oh, that I thought was you were nuts. talking about Bournemouth. Sorry. I oh, know, dirty south. But yeah, it was just, that was so fucking hectic. But I mean, it was that whole year of gigs. We played a couple of free parties as well, and everything mm. was just like a f- absolute snowball, like chaos, rolling yeah. down a hill, unstoppable fucking juggernaut of noise. It was ace. Um, yeah. That yeah. was the uh, Ben. Was that good. was the Benzo Benzo Fiori tour. That was Benzo Fiori. <laughs> Is that what it was? <laughs> somebody, somebody had a load of those Benzo Fiori. I remember. Pills yeah, that they yeah. got off, off the internet, and yeah. my God, they they were something else to do shows on. <laughs> it's when legal was still legal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mad, mad drugs for playing music on. Absolutely fucking mental. But oh, yeah, that man. that was a that tour was a yeah. It was, it was fucking mental, really. It was but it was chaotic. good crack. Yeah. Good Do you crack. remember how that tour started? So we did that gig with Hotbone and Arthur Sheedon, and no, I think one person showed up or two people showed up. It was in the second uh, bar. Where... And then oh, we were like, oh, yeah. Why don't we just tour, tour this? Because we were kind of, I think we were all buzzing after the gig, like, oh, we all played really well. And I enjoyed your set. I enjoyed your set. And then we're like, right, why don't we just try and tour it and we ended up tour it we did like a northern leg didn't we where we played like yorkshire house and that's right yeah and then we did Kendall. like um a southern leg Kendall. i think that was where we played actually that bolton gig was it during i think that was in during that northern leg of that do you think so tour. yeah yeah possibly yeah yeah, yeah like i say my my memory of it all is <laughs> it's a jumble <laughs> Ours is yeah. yeah. speaking to people yeah. like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember the gigs, but when when they were in time, yeah. you know, there was a Mansfield one that sticks in my memory in Nottingham. Mansfield. Yeah. Um, and it was a fucking really ropey club. It was really, really dingy. Like we were not welcome. And I remember there was power issues on my side of the stage. So there was me. I think it was your were you on bass or was it maybe Marlene? Did we play? The, did we really the, yeah. play Mansfield? But the power kept cutting out. It was like a metal club, like a heavy rock club, and power kept cutting out. And I'm in a fucking monk hood playing a non existent keyboard, no sound coming out. And then some dude started throwing coins at me. <laughs> <laughs> I remember just thinking, I fucking, I've hit a new peak. This is like, this is fucking a life goal ticked off. I'm playing in a, a dirty club with some dude chucking coins at me. Cause he's, <laughs> he's so unsatisfied with what he's hearing. <laughs> and I, I just remember coming away chuckling. I think we would all had a good drink and a decent night. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't a, it wasn't a, bad day <laughs> I, 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 one gig that sticks out or two gigs that stick out 
for me on that tour is the uh, Yorkshire House, the first Yorkshire House show and the Bournemouth show, because I think that was where we actually started to get a sound going, where things started to actually gel rather than just being like total chaos, which was fun. But I, I seem to remember moments in those gigs being like, oh my God, we're actually playing something here. There's a fucking groove. There's actually a groove happening. Yeah. And those those two shows and that, and I think, yeah, I think that those two shows were kind of like where the direction we started to head down after that really was like getting more into like, well, getting less of the random drummers and sort of uh, cabaret happening and focusing more on a sound. So, Will, so you were with us, right, from the very beginning. So the very, the very start even before the, the beginning and up until up until when was it that you about stopped two, playing it was 2012 so I had um, the year before had been a monumentally shit year uh, weird so we got married in 2010 me and the missus and you yeah. got came as fuck it? it was a good wedding and you all rocked up in the van if you remember and you all slept in the van in the car park and uh, yeah, it was good. It was a good crack. The year after, yeah. she was pregnant and my mum was on her deathbed. So my daughter was born and then three months later, my mum died. And that was yeah, like wow. summer 2011. And things were ramping up with the band. Like, mm. yeah, a lot of offers were coming in. Things were picking up. Um, dropout was started to be noticed. I know it was like a couple of years after it had been done, but things were really picking up. There were a lot of gigs being booked. Um, and it was the end of the year. You had a European tour book, which was when Showland was recorded. Uh, and I couldn't do it because I had a little baby in tow. Uh, and I booked to come out. So that was, what was that, like November, December? It was the end of the year, I remember. It was towards the end of 2011. Um, and we did some gigs at the start of 2012. There was like Liverpool, Mellow Mellow that little jazz place, little, uh, really great little venue. Um, and then I played Gulliver's with you. Uh, and that was it. I couldn't, basically I'd had so much, a, a mate of mine died that Christmas. Um, uh, a really old friend. And it was just, everything was piling up. One thing I hadn't, I hadn't had work for six months. So I was completely brassic. I had two deaths going around my head, a new baby, just uh, no money. Mm. Everything was, an absolute maelstrom. I was like, right, I can't, I can't do it anymore. And and thing is, and it was really, it was sad because it was really in opposition with the, 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 it was almost like Nod came first and then the demand, the, the, the space for it came after. Uh, and there were suddenly, there were things picking up in popularity that demanded that sound that needed Nod. Um, and yeah. we were, what were we like six years in by that point? It's incredible. Yeah. I think back on it. That's, that's mad to me. Um, so I've been persistent. <laughs> that, I think that's like the best word I can describe for it. But the sound was really crystallized by then. And there was, and I, from what I remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, we had a, a a real vibe going with, right, we've got a set out of the dropout tunes from fucking whatever, 2007, and played them for about six months. And it was like, right, switch it up, get in a room, stop what you're doing, say nothing right get on get on what you want to play on 
and let's just spend a couple of weeks seeing what comes out and we're going to record everything and see what happens and talk and listen to more bands and see what we're liking and it and it seemed to happen in a bit of a cycle didn't it it was whether it was six months or 12 months and that worked really really well there's so much good material came out of that couple of years and i think you know showland wouldn't have happened without that um i'm yeah. gutted gutted i wasn't on that recording that was uh that was a, a real yeah. it was it'd been such a hard year and then that on top of it and i was just like oh fucking i can't too much pressure couldn't cope with everything life was yeah. life was heavy so yeah so that yeah, was me. Man. Yeah, yeah 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 well i mean your contribution when you were in it and it was amazing man i mean we relied on we relied on you so much for like uh your ears <laughs> for your ears and for like Things like are, are, are the most basic shit. Like, are we in tune? Like, what you know? <laughs> you know, yeah. your knowledge, your knowledge, and your like your uh, your patience and your approach was like so invaluable to the band at that point, man. You know, it was amazing. Cheers. Yeah, yeah. And having the trumpet as well, like having the trumpet, like listen back to the tracks now. Because I've been going through the archive a bit, so listening back to the tracks where the trumpet is on it, it's like, oh fuck yeah, the trumpet, like yeah, you know, it was it was really big part of the sound for quite a quite a few years. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I kind of miss miss that element now. I miss sort of playing with like players like yourself, like play come come with something different to the table. You know what I mean? But but see, I think you say patience. I don't think I had to have patience. I think. For me, it genuinely felt like everyone brought something. I mean, we overlapped. We all overlapped, and there was no doubt about that. But everyone brought something quite different to the table. And so you had John, who was the synth and prog aficionado. You know, he fucking he's like he was like a library of prog in his head, uh, and he could replicate stuff and he could pull it out and he could make it fit with whatever synth was in front of him. You know, um, yeah. And then uh, yourself and Chris were on a, a to- I mean, in fact, Neil as well, I would say, were on a total journey with all the bands. You were absolutely just consuming stuff at a rate of knots. It was crazy. And it was like week on week, you'd be going, have you listened to this yet? And I'm like, no, I've not got around to it. I'm still listening to Stan Getz, mate. And you'd be like, no, 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 you've got to listen to this band. And like, we're playing with it. And do you remember we did a Dead Meadow gig? And I remember you saying to me about three months before, like, you've got to listen to this band. They're fucking amazing, right? They're heavy as fuck. Listen to this band. And then we got to the gig and I still hadn't. And you're like, I remember Chris <laughs> pulling me up on it. Right, have you listened to this, 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 this? this? I was like, mate, I've, I'm, I've, uh, I've, I've had this thing going with Eric Dolphy. I can't, <laughs> can't get off it. I'm sorry. It's like, you know, <laughs> 70s experimental contemporary flute jazz. Um, sorry. <laughs> but, but I kind of, I, I, at the time, I think, so I didn't. It didn't need patience. I felt pressured in a way, but actually, looking back on it, I think it's what made it work. It's a fucking, it's a rich tapestry, you know. Um, yeah. And if you hadn't yeah. had all the, all those things in, there's there was some overlap, but there's lots of opposition, and I think that friction is when we were jamming stuff because that was the way of writing. It was like we're going to just jam for hours and see what comes out, and record it, and little snippets, little moments would would arise where you could go, there's a fucking riff there, right, let's let's pull that out, let's nail it down. And you boys would work on it, and you'd get us in a room, and we were in there fucking, like, every other night, but you'd get in, you go, we've got something, we've got a track, this is what we're doing. Um, and I remember that process, and I didn't mind, 
I quite enjoyed just being able to contribute by just doing whatever felt right at the time and then letting you come back and go, this is what we pulled out of it. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I was not precious about songwriting or whether what I had done meant something. It wasn't really about yeah. that. It was more that, that I buzzed off the fact that I didn't know what everyone in the room knew and therefore I had no way of knowing what was going to come out. But as a jazz player, you sit in a room with a bunch of other jazz players and you know they've listened to all the same stuff you have. You know their influences are more or less the same as yours. The conversation is kind of predictable. And then when someone is fucking a genius, if you like, in inverted commas, then they're the one that pulls something out original or you've not thought of before. But actually, what's probably happening is they're listening to something fucking cool that that isn't on the jazz list and, uh, you know, and it's just got into their permeated their consciousness and they're bringing it out in the plane. But I think Nod in the early days, that was what was there in spades. It was a bunch of people who loved what they played and listened to on their own or elsewhere. And it all just fucking just bounced off each other. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. At that, at that time, me, Chris and Dells were fucking, yeah, devouring, devouring <laughs> a, a lot of music. I, I w- nowadays I wouldn't have the headspace to listen to so much music or I don't have the headspace to listen to so much music I just that's not have the headspace but like I need I need to not I need to like have big breaks now of uh, listening to music yeah and yeah. um, and that works out just as well really because uh, like you say this thing of uh, music permeating your consciousness I mean it definitely does, you know what I mean? So, but these days it's about not overcrowding the consciousness. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I do know, I do. I, I think I had a, it's interesting. So you say like, I, if I'll if I segue onto it, but after I left, um, obviously David McLean had done some bits with Nod. As I left the band, you had a few yeah. people come in and do different things. And we met Dave and he'd started Team Visions. He was at the mill. And he was into a lot of those same bands. Um, and he was great, played some great sax, just fucking raw energy. But I got hooked up with him through you guys and did a few shows. We did some some live kind of jazz shows, I suppose. But like he put a big band together of a lot of people from other bands and we did some things in the mill where there was no script, there was no music. He literally stood in front of us and went, I'm going to conduct you and give you shit to play live as we do the set. Yeah. Um, and it was, yeah, man. It, I mean, and it was, it was a good transition for me though. And and he, he, his demand was, look, I know you've got a family. I know you haven't got time. We're never going to rehearse. If you're available for gigs, I'll pull you in on the night. I'm like, well, that's, that is what I need. I'd like to be committed to Nod, but I, that it needs so much more. Do you know what I mean? It needs time. Yeah. Um, whereas Dave's was, just look, just rock up. We're going to put on some mad show, and that'll be that. Um, yeah. But that's who I've Go- still been recording with. You know. Yeah. So you still play with Dave. I mean, after the nod shows, it's not like you really stopped. It just changed yeah. for you because you were still doing the stuff with Dave. You ended up playing with Graham Massey and uh, and Paddy, oh, Paddy there right. in, yeah. in in the fucking uh, the Sun Ra Orchestra tribute band. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was good crack. Yeah, that was good. Which yeah, is pretty amazing. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and I mean. You always, you were always doing stuff. You were doing stuff with El Mariachi, I remember. And you, obviously, you've got your, you've got your own stuff on the go as well, haven't you? Which yeah. is, uh, 
Yeah, that was a bit of a. I made an album a few years ago. That was a bit of a, a vanity project come exorcism. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not a songwriter. I've never considered myself a songwriter. I, the the idea of the label songwriter fills me with fear. Uh, it gives me imaginings of classic open mic nights of people with acoustic guitars as singer songwriters, <laughs> and and nowadays with loop pedals. Um, so I kind of yeah, but. Yeah, but I you're had, a good songwriter. <laughs> but I had some songs, was all it was. Yeah. And uh, and I thought I just needed to get them out and I wanted to hear them with proper instrumentation. So I, uh, that was all that was really. So I've got a stack of vinyl that I need to sell. <laughs> 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 but then lockdown <laughs> happened. No, then COVID happened and fucked me up. So yeah, yeah. But that, that, yeah. Was, a, that was just a project on its own. But I think, I think playing with David... And people like Otto Wills, um, Mark Hanslip, sax player. There's a bunch of yeah. them that David had pulled together. are all really great musicians, but I think the common element there was we're going to get people together for one-off shows and we'll just do a gig. This is the brief. Here's a brief. Come and play to it. Do a show. Um, and there's no, you know, there's no touring with a band like that. And it's, you know, I think with ageing, so the current act that I've been working on with David for six years now. I think since I we love, did, I love aging, man. I love aging. <laughs> I've got all the albums. I have one of my favourite late night listenings is like any aging record, man. Oh, he's made shit. some. Yeah, he's made some great stuff, man. I've been on. I've, I've been on a bit of it, but he's um he's nailed some fantastic. Uh, Were you idi- on the first album? Stuff. Uh, no, no, the, no, yeah. So on, uh, what's it called? Uh, see, I should fucking know these things. Um, it's called something like late night, smoky, <laughs> smoky room or something. Like that. They're all, they're all film. It's, it's very all, noir. It's, it's all, all very like noir. Film noir yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, the, fucking amazing. I love it. It's, it's uh, such a good sound. Sentence to love. There you go. Sentence to love. Sentence um, to love. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a great album. Sounds it like is, a, it sounds cool. like a, Sounds like a novel, doesn't it? Like oh, a it little, little novel that you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the thing is with Dave, see, he's if you if you get where he comes from. I mean, obviously, like Team Visions, and all the artists that he's promoted, and the people that he's pulled in and put CDs and cassettes out of. There's a, a massive breadth of of style and taste in there, but that's about yeah. his pa- his passion for getting people forward who who wouldn't necessarily get that outlet and he's just and it's great man but aging and that noir stuff um is uh it's, i mean it's been going on a while now and we're, we're finishing off some material at the moment that i think is putting it to bed i think it's going to be not aging as a project but the sound that noir sound i think we're going to move on yeah. from it but we've recorded oh. uh, a bunch of stuff that was written in lockdown that we just because of the way things went didn't didn't manage to get finished so that's being finished now uh, and another like a studio album we've done um that is is just going into mix now with the dreamweaver is uh, okay. he's doing the, he's doing the work on it um so we should see some music. Have, you should should have, you should have that in about 6 years then <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, sam, um, will do, sam, sam will do a great job on that I, i'm sam looking will. forward to it no i'm really looking forward to it um it was good. It was a good session. We had a couple of days in. Um, tell you where it was. Did, have I seen you since then? It was. Uh, um, it was St Brides in Liverpool. 
Do you remember that fucking church where we played under bedsheets? We did a oh, nonsense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah with the yeah, bells. Yeah. We opened it with yeah. the little, the handbells. Um, yeah. And there was, and do you, if you remember, the front row was almost exclusively a bunch of guys from a uh, an NA group, uh, an Arcs Anonymous group that would what? meet on a that would meet on a Saturday in the church. It's like a community hub, uh, yeah. and, it's, and it still is. Um, so that was that was like the people basically fucking keeping in from the cold while we were playing this set. So it was a really it was a really mad vibe, um, and there was a band rehearsing up up the, up the top, and that's where this guy's got a studio, and it's fucking it's a great studio. What studios? I'll give him a plug. Uh, what, okay. Um, yeah, do do give him a plug. Steve that runs it is fucking he's ace man. Uh, yeah, they've got some great kit up there, and we had a we had a good couple of days, made some great sounds, and uh, some top tracks have come out of it. So that's all being finished at the moment. So I think we'll have a a vinyl and uh, probably a CD to come. Oh, wow. Cool. I look forward to that. I really look forward to that, man. Yeah. Uh, I really rate aging. Yeah. yeah. I see. I so, love, I love, I love that about you as well, man. Like you're such a good player that you can just, somebody can say to you, here's a brief. Here's, here's, here's what it's possibly going to go like. And I guess he gives you like, we might play in this key and there might be some of these notes. <laughs> Is that the kind of brief? Yeah, well, is the brief more? Is the brief more like cigarette? A a match gets struck in the bag. Well, yeah, you're hitting, you're hitting all of the right notes. Uh, Like basically, (laughs) um, so David is, he's like, he's like a conductor in my mind. He's someone who can see the big picture, but from really high up, he's got like this amazing view of, of the whole sound. Um, Mm -hmm. And so for someone who's basically untrained he's got a ridiculous ear and ability to pull stuff out so the noir stuff it's what i said before until i kind of didn't get onto it where it i think the secret lies and it's it's not such a secret if you look at his instagram is he's an absolute addict of pulp fiction of noir yeah yeah yeah. of books of literature and of the same genre in uh kind of hard to find music and it's anything from contemporary classical through all eras of jazz, but to real like score like um, and noir jazz setups, lots of Japanese and German and Dutch stuff and stuff like uh, Boring the Club of Gore, um, but stuff I've never fucking heard of. And he's passing me these amazing yeah. albums and he's and he's he's like liberal with his his sharing of it. It's like. It's like musical philanthropy. I love it, but it's yeah. it's very idiomatic. He really knows his his subject, and the way it comes out when he's writing and giving us a brief is sometimes he will have an entire tune already mapped out, and it's complex, and the chords are complex, and the changes are complex, and his little runs he's put in on the guitar between it to to knit it all together are just fully formed. Um, and he'll present you with a MIDI version with some live stuff, like a bit of sax, some guitar, a bit of bass on it. Um, and he'll go, "Can you can you redo the piano off? I want the I want a live piano version of what I've recorded here." And it's like, "Can you show me the notes? Can you give me the MIDI part?" And you know, it's it's complex and it's hard what he's done, but it's so the style and the sounds, the harmonies, the intervals are so ground into his consciousness through every reference point of like reading books, watching films, listening to albums, um, that it comes out 
complete and formed is what it feels like whether that's true yeah. or not i mean I, I might be doing him a disservice by saying that because he you know I'm, i've no doubt he spends many hours grinding away at this stuff to get it how he wants yeah. it um but then other sessions are literally what you said here's a couple of notes here's a few chords let's see what happens um and i quite i quite like and i think i might have had this conversation with one or other of you guys when we were in portugal last year uh, as someone who had studied a bit of jazz and studied a lot of classical and studied the instruments I played on, the, the thing that really set me alight playing with Sundown or with Nod, uh, with any of you guys and with David now, is the uh, going from the, the complete opposite end of the spectrum in uh, as an approach to improvise. And what I mean is in playing in a jazz setup. Everyone knew the charts. They're all standards. They're all old tunes. So there's a structure already. You already know there's an intro, a main tune of a verse and a chorus. Then there's solos and the instruments pass around and have a bit of a, a chat, whatever that might mean. And then and then you finish off with another uh, another repeat and an outro. Um, but playing in bands like Nod, it was like, right, we've we've not got a plan. We're going to come in a room. We've got all these heads. We've got, and and the structure was really, in my mind, and again, this is what I say, sets me alight, is, and it was so different for me, but it was not a challenge. It was just enlightening, was the structure was all in individuals' heads because everyone had different influences and different experience and different uh, uh, ideas that would come out naturally on their instrument. And so when you put them all in a room, people, I think, humans, naturally, try and gel with each other so in a conversation no matter how different you are as people i really truly believe that put two opposing people in a room they try and find a way subconsciously to converse and i think that's what happened i feel like that's what happened and it was fucking and it was insane it was fucking great and some of the stuff that came out was just like just totally couldn't have predicted it And and i know sometimes it was written sometimes there were plans with riffs of a style but a lot of the time in the early days especially it was just raw and things arrived yeah things arrived by themselves in a way um yeah i'm rambling but you know what yeah. I, mean? <laughs> I can remember those early days of nod when uh you know everyone was kind of jamming along and then i think it it would be quite chaotic for about five or six minutes and then everyone would like lock in you know what i mean and then we kind of just dug out them locked in parts and did them That's again it. and again. And yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's funny because I think the raw, like the jammed chaotic stuff to me is like the, that part of the conversation where you, yeah, you're starting to hear each other and go, fucking hell, you're wildly different to me. That's amazing. Right. I've never heard this before. Yeah. I like, like talking to someone who's got ideas you've never thought of. And you're hearing them for the first time going, fuck, right. I don't know how to deal with this. And it could be someone who's really, I mean, you ever met someone who's really opinionated, but in true opposition to anything you've ever felt, they might be really bigoted or really strong in something they're thinking about. Yeah. And because you're, you know, you're generally decent people. um, You kind of, you're trying to entertain it and he's trying to go, how do I comprehend this? How do I talk back? How do I respond? How do I have a, a respectful conversation with this person who at the moment is blowing my head off. <laughs> and, and that's how I felt sometimes. And it was ace. Cause it kind of puts you musically. You're not offending each other. You're just 
trying to find this space go fuck how do i slot in here and i remember we even had conversation conversations between playing and while we're figuring stuff out which looking back on it were musically very sensible conversations they were like right it's getting really chaotic and really noisy like what instruments like what noise we're listening back to traps again right well there's a gap there and the gaps we're talking about were pitch gaps you know somewhere in the spectrum from bass to tinny synth something wasn't playing we go right well let's try and fill that space and see what happens and so you Mm -hmm. get an instrument and put something in there and and that to me was like the the order starting to creep in um yeah but then we had gigs like bristol at the end of that three gig tour um and tony's playing tony's first disco at that gig was that i'll never forget possibly one of the, the greatest fucking sets ever it's just yeah. it was awesome. Right to the, the end, moment. right to you, right to you, smashing a guitar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was amazing, it was, though. It, it was. It was a good moment. That yeah, that was a good like whatever it was. Twenty minutes, fifteen, twenty minutes. That but it was ordered. Yeah, was fucking wild. But that's the one on science and yeah. industry, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's yeah. that's. But like you say, Chris, it, Chris it's that. Uh, it's when things to me felt fucking super ordered and. Just, it was like, I just come away from that, just blissed out. It was amazing. Yeah, such a good kick. Yeah, yeah, really good. I mean, it, you must have had that playing when you were playing with the orchestra as well. Uh, that must have been pretty fucking chaotic, man, and pretty <laughs> wild. It was a good crack. Um, yeah, they were hard tunes, though, man. They were, that was like, they picked on some really tough numbers. I mean, like Sun Ra, what you got about two thousand hours of recorded material to choose from, and they picked. Would you, would you do your best to play him as you know, no, like no. like the orchestra? Or did you have room to to? Well, no. Play if you're playing like the orchestra, then there is room to do what the fuck you like, isn't there? Really? Yeah, I mean, yeah, so yeah, I mean, we yeah, we yeah. so we we played with those guys. If you remember, they did Death Institute, so Marshall Allen's uh, set up, and yeah. they did. They were touring the, their Great American Songbook tour at the time. So they're playing like yeah. old American standards, big swing yeah. band charts and stuff. And they were getting up mid set. Fucking solos weren't fixed. It was like fucking. It was amazing theatre. It was just unbelievable. And I remember I talked to one of the trombonists afterwards. He was about. He was probably about the age I am now. Back then, so I would have been. Yeah. I don't know, less than thirty, maybe thirty. And he would have been something, something not quite fifty, and uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he says uh, he said to me afterwards. Cause we warmed up for him and I was like, man, you guys were fucking amazing. I said, I've, you know, I've grown up with a songbook, but hearing it played like that, hearing, you know, you guys hitting out a solo whenever it take, whenever the mood takes you getting up and dancing. Yeah. The band was just a show. And he went, listen, man, he said, why didn't you blow us off the stage? I was like, what, what do you mean? Yeah. Shit, yeah. What yeah. Do you mean? And he goes, why yeah, didn't I remember you blow us that. off the stage? I was like, what are you talking about? He said, you played trumpet on that first track, right? It was jungle of lies. Do you remember that track? Mm. jungle lies and uh i was playing trumpet and he goes he goes i watched you and he goes you held back he goes you were nervous i was like well we're fucking supporting you and he went nah nah, nah that's exactly why you should have gone 100 percent the other way he was like you should have blown us off the stage and he's like listen my man and it was the most encouraging encouraging <laughs> pep talk i think i've ever had and it's it's really it's ever since then no matter how i felt about my playing 
whatever my confidence level was, my self-doubt, anything like that, I just have to remind myself of that and go, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> Get up yeah. there and just fucking blow, just play, sing, I remember. it is. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. We thought it would be nice to just warm the room up for them, didn't we? Because we just did a pretty, me- we did a mellow set. And then the guy was like, man, why the fuck didn't you come out and blow us off the stage? You know, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> We fucked yeah. up there, but it was it yeah. was a beautiful gig though. It was a beautiful gig. Great, the orchestra were amazing that night. Yeah, um, Marshall Allen was on good form, wasn't he? Yeah, he was like yeah. stealing yeah. my hat off my head and fucking throwing it around the room and shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was about ninety or something then. He's, he's like a yeah, hundred now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. hardness. Yeah, man. So yeah, that was a, that. That was a good setup. It was challenging. It got my chops back in order. I did a bit of um, a bit of writing, transcribing a couple of tunes. Um, so that was it. Was good exercise. It got me back onto a lot of actual, but knuckling down and trying to play a bit better. Um, it was good. Are you playing now? Yeah. Are you, are you playing it? Were you playing just with Dave, or have you got? Are you do? Are you doing other stuff? So I've. Um, few things i've been playing ukulele i've oh. taken up ukulele right which Fucking is a bit of well you see now it's been a bit I of a dirty word right? see you Honestly. on a ukulele with so. a fucking peaked, a peaked cap <laughs> so the way this the way this has come about it was purely as i was literally approached with can you play the uke and i said well i can if if i get one um why what's the gig and uh so we have a a trio known as the mystery drinkers and uh, okay. it's men of mystery playing songs about drinking uh, exclusively about drinking there's a group of guys who hang around stockport and play ukuleles and all the songs they sing are about booze and they wear zorro masks so that you definitely can't tell who they are um and they are the mystery drinkers <laughs> okay. cool it, sounds like it, good, sounds like good crack man Oh, it is, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's decent. So what and, uh, are you doing? What are they doing? Just hitting pubs around Stockport? And yeah, yeah, around... yeah. It's just, it's just been mainly been local. Um, so obviously lockdown and things were all a bit hectic and put put things out of joint. Um, but yeah, they, they rock up occasionally all in black and uh, perform. There's some good songs in there. So there's the obvious ones, you think. So things like Drunken Sailor and uh, Whiskey in the Jar. But then there's some originals that I think are, are really are really nice and hit more on a slightly sombre tip. But then things like Brecht as well. So you've got a bit of um, uh, whiskey bar, you know the one nice. the doors the one doors cover. Yeah. So it's actually, it's actually yeah. a Brecht. It's a Brecht number, isn't it? It's a yeah, old, yeah, yeah. Early twenties thing. Um, so that's good fun. But I've been playing. Um, I've been at home playing a lot. I've been working on the piano a lot. Um, I've been going back to some classical music. Uh, I've been trying to learn some really, really heavy technical stuff to get my fingers working, get my chops going, um, which is all right. It's enjoyable. A bit of Beethoven. Um, yeah. Yeah. And some some songs. I've been really getting into Bill Withers recently. I've always liked okay. him. but um, So there's something about his voice uh, I like. Gil Scott Heron as well, his voice, Bill Withers' voice, and there's a few others like it that have a certain quality that really catches my ear. So I've been, um, I've been really digging on it and playing a lot on the piano, and and it's it's been a useful, 
use Flexercise in keys playing both of those artists to learn better voicings for uh, accompanying myself singing. Mm. Yeah, is, nice. You know, I'm not I'm not well trained in jazz on the piano, and so it's it's good to have examples to learn by and uh, make make nice sounds that you like to make. <laughs> Especially if you're on your own practicing a lot, it's good to at least entertain yourself, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, I do. The, <laughs> you know. I do the same. I do the same thing with the guitar, man. Just try and figure out a lot of stuff that I like or a version of it. Play it around endlessly for hours and hours until I until I feel like I've got it, and then move on. And then, That's it. yeah, yeah, and that that playing it just ends up, yeah, it just gets you. It just gets you quicker in the zone, isn't it? Quicker in the in the zone to to be to be ready for that inspiring moment when it, when a lyric comes in it and something happens, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, do do you find like I know it's you asking the questions, but do you, do you find no. like when when you when you're working on something where you're playing a uh, someone else's music and because it's got some changes in it you really like or you want to get your ears around that after a time, like you say, once you've done it to death and it's you've played it every which way you can you can feel and think of, uh, and it's some time after, there must be, I don't know, it feels maybe it's some subconscious thing that happens, but once it's under your fingers, naturally, sometime later you'll be jamming something completely unrelated and some element, whether it's a movement or an actual part of a pattern or a chord or something or even just a feeling of it comes out of you on you know absolutely un, un, unbidden yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 absolutely man yeah yeah definitely uh it that's that's definitely happening that definitely happens it, it happens a lot with the the project that i'm in now mound about the band this little oh, band yeah. they have over in ireland me and my friend phil yeah because uh it's it, there's a lot of acoustic guitar and stuff so i'm playing the acoustic every day and whatever i could be playing Neil Young one minute and then whatever Van Morrison the next minute and then just twanging about making some random noise but definitely like I find especially Van Morrison's guitar style and the way a lot of his songs flow it's definitely permeated my consciousness I mean it did since I was a very small child but now I'm like in my mid-40s it's it's there and it's back and it creeps its way into a lot of music even though it might not be obvious to the person listening that that's what's going on but to me at that mo- in the moment that I'm playing it or recording it I'm, that's kind of the zone where I'm at you know there's sure, a lot of sure. like there's a lot of stuff on Van Morrison albums uh, guitar playing and like little sort of the way things flow that it's just like I just can't get away from it I can't yeah, escape yeah, yeah. I just, nice. it's just there, you know. I had a big thing oh. for Van Morrison in my late teens. I had a, I went to this girl's house one day. We'd, uh, I think we'd had mushrooms. It would have been autumn time, and we walked for miles. Just went out on a mission. Ended up at this girl's house, and she had a mate staying. And the parents were away, and they were like, "No, fuck off! You can't be here. You can't be here. Let us stay here. You got to fuck off." And we're like, "No, we've walked like three miles. Come on, let us in." And she had a Van Morrison CD on the stereo, and I was fucking tripping balls. And uh, Moon Dance came on, and I'd never heard it before. And I was obviously heavily into jazz at the time, and this was yeah. like 
it was just and it, you know the stars aligned at that moment for me to have the best sort of four minutes of my life in this girl's lounge before she chucked yeah, us out yeah. and uh, and that was yeah. it for ages I was going seeking out Van Morrison stuff um yeah. again actually he's got that thing with his voice as well he's got a real there's like a little velvet husk to the edge of his voice that's just fucking yeah really catches yeah. me yeah yeah, yeah he has these little <laughs> he has these little moments with his vocals that are just like you just you can't they're just one-offs like not even he could do them ever again really do you yeah, know what yeah. i mean it's yeah. like beautiful moments yeah i mean that whole thing with moon dance i remember being a kid again like nine ten years of age set in the car and stepfather had like the van morrison's best of van morrison or whatever on cassette in there and yeah Every song that was on that, I fucking knew it off by heart, which I already knew Astral Weeks from the age of nine. I already knew that off by heart. I could sing it every every step of the way. And I knew every song in this greatest hits. And I used to love when Moondance came on. <laughs> but, you know, the little, the, the intro, like, so I mean, we're properly, we're properly like rambling here, aren't we? It's good. It's good, man. <laughs> we're, going, we're going all over the shop. But I, mm. I like it, man. I like it. You've got such a good uh, recollection, Will. It's ace, man. Yeah, I know you say that your bits are hazy, but you you definitely remember more stuff. Um, or maybe you remember the bits we don't remember, and we <laughs> remember the bits you don't remember. <laughs> That's probably more like it. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, it's like what my friend. It's like what my friend Angus said the other night when we were podcasting. He says, "Well, you know, if uh, if you remember it, sure, you weren't really there." I think it's a classic, isn't it, that one? Yeah, I, but, um, I think, well, I, I, given what we were talking about before, about getting in the zone and, you know, things coming out naturally, um, Yeah, I think he's, your friend Angus speaks a lot of truth, because when you're in that place, like, I can honestly say I remember the after effect of, yeah. of playing tunes and jams, sets, whole gigs, where it felt amazing afterwards and you go, fuck me, that came together. That was perfect. Like there was just, I'm happy with everything that happened. Everything that came out was just like, made me feel great. That was glorious. Could I remember any specific moments from it? Maybe one or two out of an hour or 45 minutes. Mm, and I think, yeah. and that's and to me, whenever I've played a gig and that is the case afterwards, then I know, like like Anger said, <laughs> if you're sure if you can remember it, you weren't really there. And I think being really there, being absolutely zoned in, that your memory's really not right in. It's it's every ounce of you is right fucking there and doing it. And uh, it's true, yeah. yeah, very true, yeah, mate. For sure, very very true. But we remember yeah, that, the buzz that... after. You know, we know when it was a good gig. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so do you remember any? Uh, what like what's your What's your silliest or, or funniest memory of, of doing shows at Nod? Put you on the spot there a bit. <laughs> Loads. Fucking hell. Too many. Felfoot. Felfoot the second time. Uh, I think Electric Free Time Machine were playing with us. And, uh, <laughs> and I'd, I'd driven up in my missus. Had a Keely, had a little Renault Clio. And it was, it was like a tin can. And I had, I had Neil... And the two lads from, fuck, I'm going to do them a disservice now because they were ace. Um, what was the band we played with? It was Nova and I can't remember. Oh, Cargo Cult. Cargo yeah. Cult. Yeah, yeah, who it was. 
and uh, and Neil had put some. I oh, know, no, it wasn't. It was them. It was Nova had put some mad Swedish fucking deathcore on on my stereo, and this car was noisy as fuck. And I was doing about ninety up the motorway, charging up, and it felt like it was going to shake itself apart. And I don't know how we made it to Felfoot. It was the most dangerous journey ever. And there's there's, there's elements of that that can't be recounted because it's not suitable viewing, but. It's the things that made it really, really, really bad. And then we got there, and I remember before we played, we uh, Nova decided to be initiated. I think we initiated a certain element of the crowd, of the people with us, maybe another band. That's that's yeah. a good edit. <laughs> well, kind of, yeah, inculcated somehow into the madness. And I remember being on stage, and it was fucking insane it was cold as well i remember it being dead cold and everyone was wrapped up um is, is that when we were playing and barry was announcing us barry who <laughs> runs the yeah 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 and, he and, did some and poetry, this, yeah. This, the, and the shutter was supposed to come up on the stage <laughs> while he was announcing us but the shutter stayed down and we just played and then the shutter came up right at the very end as we were finishing <laughs> yeah 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 it was fucking you know, stupid man. It was hilariously stupid. But Barry, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was that was great. That was I think that was the second time we did that 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 place. Yeah. Um oh we did one with Damo Suzuki. Maybe that was the same one. Maybe that was that. No, the, that was the first one. The first was one the was first with Damo. One? Was yeah. it? That was a good um, that was a good one. That was, that was a good one good for sure. Yeah, yeah, very good gig. Um no, but uh supernormal, supernormal the I guess it's the second time that I played there with Nod um, and we had a really fucking nailed on set. Everything was tight as fuck and we'd all had a, a big weekend and it was like a second to last set of the night on the main stage there. And, uh, and it was great. It fucking really, it, everything gelled. It all went off, but I, I, I think individually we all had to work so hard to make that happen. I think we'd all had such a long like night before and a full day of it and the whole night and I got to play the set. And I remember setting up before. <laughs> I remember being out the back of the van, getting all our kit out, and you were trying to set your pedal board up, Paddy. And I remember you like just I I needed to write down all the settings. I had about four different instruments. I had effects and things and I had all these settings in my head for the set and I'd kept meaning to write them down but the weekend was mad it was mad at uh what's it what's the place um what's the place super Brazier's Park Brazier's Park and I remember I'd had a mad day wandering around and meeting the people there and I'd gone off with John and had some mad time with Lou and Neil and uh got to the set and it was like it was almost like suddenly we were at the back of the van and it was like no 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 fucking get with it we're about to play oh shit fucking what and uh and i gave i handed chris i handed you a marker pen and a bit of paper and got you to lean on my back and i just said right write this shit down i was like (laughs) i was trying to picture all the dials on my pedal board and going right that one to 11, that one to 12, that one, and just write a number one next to that, right? Now write a number two and write this, and you're going, fucking hell, Will, listen, man, if you don't get this right, you're fucking, you're dead, right? That's just, <laughs> you, can't, you can't fuck this up. And I'm like, no, 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 listen to me, right? Just write a number two, and then, right, put, draw three circles, and then one point into 10 o'clock, one point into 12 o'clock, one point, and it was, my pedal settings were in banks of three dials, 
Why weren't and you I, writing it down? Because <laughs> I, I, I remember I couldn't see at all. I couldn't <laughs> see a thing. I could not see straight. And it was one of them. Well, I, I, was, like... <laughs> I was so fucked. I was setting my pe- pedals up out the back of the van going, right, I'm ready. And then I realised that I was actually not on the stage. Because <laughs> somebody, somebody had given me one of those fucking I, I was I was feeling a bit tired from the weekend and I was like oh I need a pick me up and somebody said have one of these pink panthers and I was like no, I don't I don't like the sound of that but go on then so Man. I had one and it absolutely destroyed me I, I remember having to go for a shit in supernormal and like being fully convinced that I had shit my pants <laughs> or at least I, I was convinced that I shed all over my pants. I hadn't done. And that I ended up jumping out of the compost toilet and running into the woods and like wiping myself down with leaves and that. And then <laughs> I was, it was one of those tripsy, trippy pills that makes you feel like everything's wet all the time, you know? So yeah. I was like, oh man, it was, it was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare trying to get onto the stage to do that gig but yeah it was but, it was, crap, but it was a good gig and he was the, it was uh, a good gig yeah so teeth of the sea had were there with us and i remember yeah sam i think it is come up to me after and was like you can have to tell me what that setup is you've got and i remember thinking dude you'll have to tell me what it is you heard in the last hour because i fucking have not got a clue what i've just played and we were doing like a real we ended i do know we ended that set on a big tony's rendition yeah and like really fucking having it and it was yeah i've just that's my main memory from that's the only memory i've got from playing the set was was tony's was just and i had about i had had your coal run do you remember that that eventually fell apart inside but it was (laughs) The Coron and a, a, a keyboard of some sort and a, a little Korg and a bunch of other stuff. And that Tony's was just like fucking just hitting stuff, just stuff. And it's such a stomp. You could, there's no way of getting it wrong. If you're, if you're there with the rhythm, it was absolutely bang on. And just, I just remember feeling like a, a kid in a toy shop with everything I wanted to make loads of noise. And then Sam goes, well, you have to tell me what your setup is. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. No idea. Was. I don't know what my setup is, mate. <laughs> You'll have to it was, tell me. <laughs> it was very cool, though, getting to play Tony's to Faust, who were going to be playing after us. But they, like, they were getting all their shit together while we were playing Tony's. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was it was nice. That was a nice moment. Being like, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was. It was good. I really <laughs> enjoyed that weekend. I really enjoyed that weekend. Uh, and watching Faust play... Is yeah. was always, always the schooling, but um, there were so many bits of that set they played from that night that stick in my memory and were really, yeah. really poignant. Um, yeah, lots of lessons, man. Lots of lessons for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when, when we got to um, we did like the residency with Jean Hervé and Zappi from Faust in Portugal, that was uh, amazing, amazing sort of to just watch them in action and be a part of it and yeah learn a yeah. few bits i mean the, how, the best how thing long were you with them yeah for a full week man full week right. so and we were like getting up in the morning going to the rehearsal space rehearsing going for lunch getting tanked up on wine 
having really good chats with them at lunch, you know, these big two, three hour long lunches, back to the rehearsal room, then dinner. And then, and then it might be back to the rehearsal room or it might be just like stay on and drink loads of wine. Uh, and we had a great time with them, like just, yeah, chatting and, and yeah, playing, playing. And, you know, just having these things like being able to, because obviously they said like, right, we want two cement mixers, two hoovers, uh, and two angle grinders. So we just had all this, we had all this stuff in the rehearsal room and they were like, right, go for it. You know what I mean? Pick up an angle grinder, do something. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, for me, the best thing about the hanging with Faust on that week at the very end of it was they did a, a workshop and it was, it was, it turned out to be a kind of a deep listening workshop really. And watching Jean Hervé, especially Jean Hervé, orchestrate this workshop from nothing and the really weird shit he was getting people to do, but how he was so amazing at um, making people feel all right about doing this stuff. Uh, that was um, amazing for me, man. I, I, I didn't really take, I didn't take part in the workshop. I just sat in the corner and watched it. And I was just like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Like that. This is how you communicate. This is like, this guy's got the skills, you know? Because yeah. he's known as he's known as a bit of a hothead, isn't he? People reckon he's a bit of a hothead and that, but he's he's actually a a, a fucking pretty amazing communicator. Well, he was right. at that workshop on that for that week anyway. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me, Will, would you would you be into uh, jamming with Nod ever again? Do you think? Oh, for sure, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think so. I've like in terms of music and how I approach playing or what I choose to, I guess, no, what I choose to play. I know a lot of people perhaps have either things like a, a, a taste they think they have or a direction they think they're on with their music and it shuts out and negates other possibilities. I think um, I've just, I say that I've seen it in people I know that play and not as a negative, like people have their way in life and you might have a thing you're on a person. I've always felt like I can, uh, just happy to fucking play whatever and enjoy it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like you say, pick right. it up where pick it up wherever it is. To me it is like a yeah. I'm really hesitant to say all right, there's a real cliche about using the word conversation with music and I saw a fucking really funny video and it's Fuck, it's Charlie Mingus. It's Charlie Mingus talking to an in, American interviewer and the interviewer asks that time old cliche question of you know they say jazz is a conversation so you know what what are you guys saying to each other when you're talking and mingus goes yeah and I, i'm gonna paraphrase this but it's great and he goes yeah yeah man yeah yeah we're saying fuck you and you motherfucker <laughs> 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 and it's fucking perfect and you've, you've got to think of it for the time that he's having this conversation it's like an old black and white film interview so it must be probably like maybe early 60s or the latest and so to be swearing like that on telly but to be so coldly funny to be able to take the piss out of the interviewer that hard it was just perfect <laughs> so so i hesitate to use that term having a conversation but i do i do find yeah get so yeah getting to play with anyone of any style especially where there's a, a freedom to it 
Um, I'm always more than happy, man. Yeah, for sure. Cool. cool. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna organize some stuff next year, where probably in Manchester or something, where there'll be a room. Try and organize it so that most people are free and just get everybody down for a day or two into a room and just jam and record and see what happens. Great. Yeah, yeah. For the yeah. crack. See yeah, where it goes. Sure. Cool. Yeah, pull yeah, us in. Pull us in. Yeah. Yeah, it's um it's gotta happen, man. It's gotta happen because ja- I love jamming with you. I quite miss it actually. Um, you know. It's been a long time. Yeah, especially like going back through the archive stuff, you know, it, it helps to kind of be like, oh shit, yeah, that was that was really, really good, important part of the sound in those times. Yeah, I think you know? it'd be inter- I, I think it'd be interesting for for many reasons, but I like the idea that our memory of people we haven't seen for a long time is literally that. It's a memory of them then and when you meet up with old friends, when you speak to people you've not spoken to for a long time, um, you very quickly, I think, connect with the, the realization that they're not the person you remember because we all move on, time moves on. But And what excites me about the idea of jamming with old musicians that I've not played with for a long time is, uh, is exactly that, is realizing that you've all grown and changed and you're different than you were in your memory. Um, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. I'm kind of rambling a bit, but uh, it's yeah. You'd it, like to put, you'd like to think that people change anyway. You know, you never know, man. <laughs> yeah. No, but no, but no, no. I mean, there's like I'm sure there's a massive part of all of us that is always the same, and otherwise, you know, it'd be too fucking weird, wouldn't it? But <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think, I think the things that we work on. So, like, you know, you've done nothing but work on music. You've been touring and gigging and fucking recording and inventing and working but all the while you know we've had conversations there like you yourself and me chris and paddy like even just on the plane coming back from portugal or going to portugal and uh you know it's nice to be reminded that everyone fucking life goes on everyone's lives go on and a lot happens and it's certain whether we want it to or not we grow and we change and we get added to maybe like a fucking rock with moss, but <laughs> I don't know, but we, we certainly fucking are not the people we were 10 years ago. Um, I think that's amazing. I love it. I think it's great. I just, and it's, I have no judgment of, of any of it other than I just fucking behold it and think it's awesome. Um, and I think yeah. I've got to, cause life's short, isn't it? I've seen a lot of people die, man. I've had a lot of, uh, the last 10 years has been, certainly surreal for that um okay so it kind of reminds me that like it's all good and it's quick it's you know it happens pretty quick so we might as well just enjoy all of it and and be amused by everything we can <laughs> and and change is a good one <laughs> I, I i've got a uh it's it was, my, it, was, it was my birthday the other week right and uh, i had a yeah. call from, oh yeah 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 and yours so i had a yeah. i had a i had a call from a relative and uh, I'm not going to say who it was, a very, very close relative. And uh, they have a habit of whenever we speak, <laughs> because we've always got video calls now, whenever we speak, they always, the first thing out of the mouth is a comment about my appearance. I said, Do you have any relatives like that? Aunties and uncles? And yeah. Stuff? Yeah, yeah. My auntie does it to first me all thing, the time. Fucking first thing they yeah. say. 
and uh, and she went, <laughs> she went. So in the past, it's been stuff like, uh, oh, you got new glasses, or oh, yeah, well, you're looking thinner, or you're looking fatter, or you know. But there's no holes barred. It'll just be whatever they're fucking thinking. Oh, your tooth looks really. <laughs> your tooth looks really crooked. Are they Irish by any chance? No, for no. <laughs> Welsh, <laughs> Welsh. Maybe, maybe, no, there's a, maybe there's a maybe there's a Celtic thing. Yeah. Oh, your yeah. tooth looks really crooked. What's going on there? I'm like, your tooth's crooked. No, I'm asking you about yours. You know. And then, uh, <laughs> and this time it was, oh, I like this. Pointing to the chin. I was like, what? Yeah, the, yeah. Beard, the beard I've had for ten years. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, but you've got this, this. And what? what it's grey. It's <laughs> half of it's grey, isn't it? And, and she's like, yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah. What's you know? I like that. I was like. It's not a fucking design choice, love. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, but, but so we both laughed. I did say that to him. We both laughed. And I think that that to me crystallizes what I like about keeping up with people and seeing them and appreciating that we age and we're, we're changing. And I do like it. I, th- I think yeah. the, the chat, the chats we had uh, on the way to Portugal, Paddy, just fucking, I thought it was ace. I think we'd had a lot of whiskey at the airport and uh, it was a, uh, it was it was good and there was do you remember there was madness going on on the plane there was yeah. there was other stuff happening that was <laughs> <laughs> anyway however however there was there was also it was a, quite a contrast in fact because we were having a very deep conversation we hit we hit we hit a lot of spirituality and deep points and uh, yeah, and and there was some comedy shit happening the whole time. John Perry, <laughs> John Perry, I just been. I wasn't going to name him. Oh, Come on, man, we spoke to him about it. We spoke to him about it on the podcast already. Oh right, okay. I've not listened to this, man. Oh man, it was chaos. It was funny as fuck. And uh, and we're yeah. talking about we're talking about meditation and exercise and. Uh, <laughs> and longevity in life and yeah 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 it was funny speaking speaking of which you're still uh keeping up with your martial arts teaching yeah, and training yeah. oh, of course yeah, yeah 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 yeah. that's that's but, i mean you must have you must be you've been doing that longer than any anything else really haven't you you've yeah been doing that since yeah. you were a kid yeah I, I started training when i was four um yeah and then fucking hell. yeah yeah but what I do currently, I, I study Taekwondo currently, and that's been since I was about 18, 19. Yeah. You, you start, start doing some MMA. You do some MMA, mate. Yeah, you know, I've been teaching 20 odd years, 23 years. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. 21, 22. I'm not sure. Yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, always busy. At the moment, however, hey, this is uh, fucking bizarre. Um, so at the moment, I'm not training because about a month ago. So right, right I'm going to have to go back to December last year. I started having migraines, fucked up migraines, agony, like wiped me out for a day migraines, yeah. and didn't couldn't figure out a reason. And then I come back from a holiday at the start of August and uh, started getting flashes and blurs in my vision, which is generally a bad sign i've got fucked up eyes anyway they're really bad um so i go to the optician they look at it and go oh shit we'll have to refer you to the hospital you gotta go and have a consultant look at it and consultant looks at it and says yeah yeah you've got this your eyes full of blood and uh, we can't it's probably that you've torn your retina but we can't see you have to come back in a few weeks the blood should have cleared up so i've got this blur blobs rolling around my vision all the time on one eye 
and then I go back wow. this go back on Monday this this week. So like, what is it? What day on Tuesday? Yesterday? No, week before Monday last week. The dude looks at it and goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, right. You've got two tears in your retina." Um, wow. and, it, <laughs> and so I'm like, "Okay, yeah, that sounds bad, right?" What's and literally before I've even got a question out, he's turned his chair around, picked up the phone, and gone, "No, no, no, no. I'm just checking with my mate. He can uh, he can see you now. He can laser them." I'm like, what? what? What do you mean? What? He's like, fucking, yeah, yeah, he's going to, he'll see you now. Well, what do you mean, laser? He said, well, we've got to burn the retina in a few places to seal it up to try and prevent, to, it'll build scar tissue. Hopefully, it'll bond better to the back of your eye and then uh, prevent any further tearing and uh, stop your retina from detaching. I was like, fuck. <laughs> I was like, what Jesus. the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so he literally, and they'd already dilated my pupils. They put these drops in your eyes, dilate your pupils, so you can't see shit, right? But now, like, your your pupils have been dilated in the past, I'm sure, and and yeah. it's all good fun. But this was, like, literally, like, all light is going in, and I can't see shit. So I'm being guided by this nurse to take me up to an eye clinic. Dude, then and there, jams this thing right on my eyeball. So it's touching, my, like, a fucking uh, scope on my eyeball. Um, oh. and then gets a laser up against it and he's clicking away with his foot laser in the back of my eye which is just in these intense dark yellow flashes that light up all your all your blood vessels so you, you just see dark or bright yellow flashes like uh, vein patterns like dendritic yeah. you know tree-ish vein patterns yeah. um, so I've walked out of there in a total daze like what the fuck has just happened within about an hour um, and that's go back this week for a checkup, and they've looked at them and gone, "Yeah, yeah, we need to do it again." Oh God! <laughs> oh fuck's sake! So they've done more on it. So I've, I'm currently my eyes a bit of a mess, and I can't really see. I can't train. I'm not allowed to do anything physical. And you know, I'm up six days a week. I'm up half five training. Um, I'm not allowed to do a thing. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty messed up at the minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm still did teaching, you, did, but <laughs> did you get, did you get it from training? Did you get it from sparring or something or what? No. So it's, it's uh, apparently as we get older, the the jelly inside your eye liquefies to water basically, and that's normal. But it can tear the retina when it detaches. Um, wow. But I've got mad big eyes i've got re- i'm really short-sighted i'm like minus eight and a half in each eye and my eyes are, are uh, apparently over oversized and it stretches the retina on the back of them so they're really prone wow. to tearing yeah so wow. i probably sh- probably shouldn't be doing getting kicked in the head and punched and stuff no. like get a rest you yeah. know <laughs> you know but yes for a while i have to do nothing at all i can't lift either so that's um that's thrown me but uh but yeah I hope you get better. <laughs> As I've said to the kids when they've looked worried, it's all right. I'll keep a spare. <laughs> the left eye's all good, man. I reckon I, I, reckon I could rock, rock an eye patch pretty well. <laughs> but, you know, it's a, it's a funny thing. I've, I've always lived with, so since I was a kid, I've had a very bad eyesight. And, uh, and a lot of stuff that comes with it, headaches and all kind of shit, and uh, and lungs as well. So, like, would have nights without sleep as a kid, really, like, fucking years not sleeping properly because of breathing. Um, so it's funny how 
easy I do genuinely find it to think if I lost the sight in this eye, I'm all right. I've got another one. And mainly because I've had so much crap with health the whole life. Yeah. It's funny. I don't know. I don't know if either of you have ever have had any health things that you've had as uh, complications for your life. But not you're kind really. Of yeah. yeah, not really. I've been blessed up to now. Yeah, it does. It does make it make it easy to be unwell and you not care by this age. You're so used yeah. to it. It's like, yeah. <laughs> so I, th- I think I've no. I think I've I've horrified the kids a bit with the uh, talk of going blind in one eye. <laughs> oh, it's good for the man. Reality yeah. check for the kids. It's good yeah. thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So what about you? Because I know I know I've spoken with both of you about uh, uh, training and exercise. And if, Paddy, have you still been doing um, cold water and cold water immersion and breathing? Yeah, man. Yeah, like you, I'm up at half five, six every morning and I have like a an hour of doing my stuff um, um, a lot. Yeah, working out, breathing, uh, lots of movement. I've got really into um, this uh, crawling and animal style movements. So I'm getting a lot of like... Um, sort of a flow going with that and that's Great. that's really good that's really good shit and yeah still cold water and breathing stuff a lot and i'm, I'm studying I'm say i'm studying well i'm doing an online course of uh this guy called uh patrick McEwen. he has this uh thing uh, i guess it's like a company really or whatever called oxygen advantage and he teaches very functional breathing techniques like extremely subtle forms of breath work. Where's my pen, um, man? I want to write that down. Yeah. Oxygen advantage. Yeah. yeah, and it's all focused on just um, nasal breathing, um, and yeah, it's it's great. It's very subtle, but if you do, you do his practices, like you just yeah, you find yourself being you just, his practices are so simple and they're so easy to repeat during a day that you find that you become very conscious of your breathing. Not to the point that it's distracting, it's just that you'll have those lovely moments where you kind of gather yourself and like pull yourself back to breathing through your nose when you find that maybe you're just off on one and they kind of ended up procrastinating or whatever is the random thing that you end up doing that stops you from doing what you'd like to be doing. Sure. And his techniques, his techniques are really great for that. And uh, another another revolutionary thing that's becoming mainstream now, which is great, is um, mouth taping the mouth, just taping the mouth with medical tape. It's incredible. Just do it for two hours a day around your house, and then start doing it when you go to sleep. And you start, you'll just your brain will get into the whole thing of breathing through the nose. And I, I, I don't know how's your sleep. Is your sleep okay? Do you have sleep apnea? No, no, mine's pretty good, man. I um. I've, I was, I was quite an insomniac as a kid. I was always ill, so I was mm-hmm. I never slept. And then in my teens, uh, my asthma was less, and I found things that really helped me nail sleep. Um, yeah. So I fucking love sleep, man. I love sleeping. I love dreaming. Um, yeah. 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 It's been I'm a, a lifetime pursuit for me. That I'm really, really getting into sleep. Actually, I'm really getting into it. Like going to bed at like ten o'clock and being like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get up at five. This is eight. Yeah, and just yeah. getting the getting a, getting a solid like seven hours a night. It's 
it's a fucking game changer, man. Totally, totally. I, I can uh, have it, having done it both ways. Sleep is just gold. It really is. And uh, you know, I've got a psychologist for a wife. She's she's studied sleep loads, and she yeah. has, as any other human then has had times of good sleep, times of bad sleep. So she's, she's almost a good self case study. But she, it's uh, we obviously talk about it a lot, and uh, I, I indulge in sleep. I would say I don't have long sleep. I'm like you. I, you know, I spent years being up very late. Um, and yeah. now, now get up very early and train probably for about 10 years. And, uh, yeah. that to me, having good sleep and then getting up early and then using my body and, you know, moving to then yeah. go, go to sleep that night, half nine, 10, half 10, even tired yeah. really genuinely tired and be able to fall asleep in like 10 minutes is that yeah. to me is vital and of great importance in life for sure yeah, yeah man Satisfying. yeah that <laughs> I, i'm i'm kind of addicted at the moment as well to doing these like four minute workouts so like you know just randomly throughout the day again when i find myself maybe procrastinating about something or you know not just in a bit of a brain fog it's like right get the timer out boom i'm gonna do this four minutes of just like madness and that always just snaps me right out of the the fucking fog but also you know you do a series of that stuff four or five or six throughout the day yeah and it's you just the body feels like it's it's ready for rest you know what i mean it's like the body it's not just it's the body saying to the mind it's it's time for us to chill out you know and for that's sure, really good sure. yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. a really good feeling well man i fucking miss i do miss jamming with you mate and i miss chatting with you actually it's uh it's lovely to chat to you man 